0: Would you turn, please, this morning in the Bible to the book of James, James chapter 5. We've been uh, speaking on Sunday mornings, ministering on the subject of prayer, principles, principles of prayer. We believe at the direction of the Lord. We've been focusing, meditating, and putting into practice the word on the subject of prayer. And uh, we've talked about, for weeks now, what prayer is. We said one of the most basic and summary statements about what prayer is. Prayer is communion with the Father. Communion with God. So prayer is talking to God. It should be more than that. A lot more. Amen. Communion is reciprocal. Yes. Two-way. Prayer should be, for a modern word, interactive. Right? And then we went into the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which we're still doing today, studying Jesus as the ultimate perfect prayer. How many believe that you don't find a better prayer than Jesus? Right? I mean, he's the example. And we committed, before we got into the study, that ever how the Lord has taught us by word or by example to pray, that's how we're going to pray. Right? No matter what we've learned somewhere else or what we've thought or heard, we're going to conform to the word and pray like he did and like he teaches us to pray. So we've seen that he actually, I guess we've gone over 10 different areas now. We saw that he taught us to pray in love, first of all, and we're actually going to touch back on that a little bit today. And he taught us to pray in faith. He taught us that we must ask. It's necessary to ask. We saw sometimes you pray and sometimes you say. We talked about requiring in the name of Jesus, which technically is not prayer. We looked at persistent prayer, which included the concept and idea of intercession and supplication. We talked about why you should pray, why Jesus prayed so much. We talked about the prayer of uh, submission. We talked about prayer and fasting. We've talked about communion with the Father God. But in James 5, let's read our text again and go further today. How many have a desire to develop a prayer life like Jesus had as he walked the earth? Is it possible that we can commune with the Father as He did? It is. He's our example. It's available to us. So let's pray and release our faith and believe the Lord, remembering you're not limited to what I know today. The Holy Spirit's our teacher. Believe you can get something really good from the Word that'll help you and change your life for the better. Father, we present ourselves before you this morning, thanking you and loving you, Thank you for the holy written word, its life to us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit whom you've sent to indwell us, to be our guide, to be our teacher. We look to him and yield to him. Give all of us eyes that see, ears that hear, and a hearing and an understanding and receptive heart. Let there come divine grace deposits, truth impartations, revelation of truth that makes free. We'll be receivers. And by your grace, we'll not be hearers only, but we shall be doers. Doers. We know as we do, we will be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Everybody said out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. doer of 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 the word of God. You do realize now that doers are the only people that get results. Not church goers, not religious people, not Bible thumpers, not tape players, not note takers. Who? Only doers. People who do the word, put it into practice, they're the only ones that get results. James 5, let's read please. James 5 and verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? What do you do? Pray. Worry. No. No, <laughs> no do what? Pray. Ask forty people what they think pray. you ought to do. Huh? No, sir. Call every prayer hotline. No. And ask them to pray. No. What did it say? Pray. If you're going through a trial and test, you pray. Right? Well, you got a whole lot of folk that want somebody else to do their praying and believing for them. But it just doesn't work. We can help each other. You know, how many understand I can't get saved for you? You can't get saved for me. And there's a whole lot of other things like that. Now, you're going through some trials and tests. Pray. Is it in Mary? What do you do? If you're given the song and you have a good voice. What? Now, is this for everybody? People who can't carry a note in a bucket can sing too. Right? Every, I've had people tell me, oh brother, I can't sing. Not true. Everybody can sing. Everybody. Not everybody should be given a microphone on the platform. (laughs) Not everybody should record. But everybody can sing. And if you never sing, you ought to step up and obey the Bible. The Lord does something good for you. You know, yes, it's great to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But go ahead and step up. Are you merry? Are you happy? God's done something for you. Break out into song. Everybody. Your children, your spouse should hear you singing praises to the Lord. Did you hear me? Your co-workers, now you don't have to disrupt the business, but you know, if they come by close, they might hear you going, oh, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. So, Mr. Lada, I don't know how to sing. I don't, what if it doesn't rhyme? Doesn't it rhyme? It's just fine. If it does, that's good, too. Amen. 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 But. None of that's the issue. You'll find you step up, there's a greater anointing when you reach in your heart and you begin to sing. Going through some stuff? Pray. You happy about it? Sing. Everybody say, pray. Pray. Sing. Sing. Who's that for? Everybody. Everybody. In order to just be a regular thing, if we sneak up behind you, we'd hear you praying. And many, many times we sneak up behind you, we'd hear you singing. Right? Or to be a common thing. How many believe every Christian home ought to be filled with prayer? And song. Huh? Prayer and song. And song. You know, uh, years uh, back as a little boy, we we grew up in a three-room house. Not three-bedroom. Three-room. And uh, the wall, uh, my brother and myself slept in... In a little room, and the wall between us and our mom and dad's bedroom was about that thick. And they could always hear us giggling in the bed. You boys be quiet and go to sleep. <laughs> Couldn't get away with anything. <laughs> but there have been times when I, my dad worked uh, at night a lot of times, and there have been times when I'd hear him as a little boy wakened in the nighttime, and I heard my mother singing in tongues. And felt the Holy Ghost presence. That's what I woke up to. How many think every child ought to have the benefit and privilege of sensing the presence of the Lord in their home. And there ought not be any man or any woman that's so uptight or so embarrassed about the things of the Lord that your child has never heard you pray. Your child has never heard you sing. If that's how it is, fix it today. Amen. Amen. Be a witness. Be a witness. Sing and pray. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith. Is he talking about prayer in this passage? Pray, pray, prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. I know a lady came up to me at teaching and healing school at Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry for years. One day a lady came up, and I was at the podium kind of like this. She walked up, and she threw her Bible up just like that. She looked at me. She said, why doesn't that work? Well, I just looked at it noticed it was the Bible, and I said, it does. She said, no, it doesn't. I said, yeah, it does. She said, uh-uh. I said, uh-huh. <laughs> well, we're... We're not getting anywhere. So I, I said, what are you talking about? She said, right here. And she was talking about this passage. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord raise him up. If he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. I said, it does work. I've seen it work. She said, uh-uh, it didn't work for me. I said, really? She said, uh oh, it didn't work. I said, you did that. You Call for the elders. Yeah. They anointed you with all. Yeah. You prayed to prayer of faith. Yeah. But the Lord didn't raise you up. No. I said, really? I said, let me go over this again now. <laughs> you called for the elders of the church. Yes. They prayed over you. Yes. They anointed you with all in the name of the Lord. Yes. Prayed to prayer of faith for you. Yes. But the Lord didn't raise you up. No. I said, you sure? Yeah. I said I'm sorry I guess he lied to you I don't care who he is somebody tells you they're going to do something and they don't do it then they lied to you I'm sorry I guess the Lord lied to you she said uh uh (laughs) she said God can't lie I said that's what I thought I said let's go over this again real slow See, people don't realize what they're saying. Do they? Oh, I tried that tithing stuff. It didn't work. I tried that faith stuff. Didn't work for me. I tried that confession stuff. Well, what are you saying? What are you saying? Are you saying the word is not true? You're saying God lied? You're saying God failed you? You're saying it doesn't work? What are you saying? People don't realize what they're saying. You're calling God a liar. How many believe he has never lied? He cannot lie. He's never failed anybody. He never will fail anybody. Right? He's not going to start with you. I said, let's go over this again. You were sick. Yeah, and still am. You called for the elders of the church. I did. They prayed for you in the name of the Lord. anointed you with oil. Yeah, they did. They prayed to the prayer of faith for you. Yeah, they did. I said, do you remember what they prayed she said, yeah. I said, tell me, can you quote it? They said, Lord, healer, if it be thy will. <laughs> well, that's obvious to you because you've been, <laughs> you know, you've been hearing about these things. But I said, dear sister, I said, that's not the prayer of faith. She said, it's not. I said, no. I said, you can't be in faith and you don't even know what the will of God is. So I begin to tell her that and she began to see it. And thank God she stayed and was healed. It didn't happen that day, but over the course of the next few days, she just stayed. From then on, she was there on the front row with her book and her pen. She said, i got to learn what this prayer of faith is. I said, yeah, you do. Come on in here. Sit and stay with it. And she got healed. Glory to God. Got healed. Thank you, Master. Well, he goes on to say, verse 16. Confess your faults, or another translation says sins, one to another, and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. He said, Elijah, you know, he was a man just like us. He had feelings, he had things he had to deal with. You know, boy, he stood up there, I mean, like a pillar, before the prophets of Baal and called down fire. But then Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. And he ran, scared, like a rabbit, right? Right? Crawled up under a tree and said, oh God, kill me, I'm the last one. He said, no, you're not. i got thousands that have never bowed their knee to Baal. He's a man like us, right? But he prayed, and the very atmosphere, the heavens, if you will, were changed. I mean, the cycles of things in the earth were changed. It didn't rain. Then he prayed again, and it was changed. And the rains came, and nature was altered and affected. Because a man prayed. How many believe that is still true today? Proper prayer, scriptural, biblical prayer, faith prayer can affect changes in the earth. Right? How many believe that? There's a lot of people don't pray because they're not convinced they'll do any good. But friend, when you understand, when you find the truth, you realize things can be changed in the earth. Things in nations, things in politics. I mean, when we're seeing something on the news that we don't like, we ought not just sit there and gripe about it. We ought to do something about it. People think, well, what can I do? I can't do anything. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can pray about it. And God will hear. Hallelujah. And things be changed. Well, now notice something specific he said. He said, confess your faults. Everybody say faults. Now that's also sins, the ASV says, sins, and pray one for another. Is there an area of prayer that's important concerning sins and people's sins and people's faults and mistakes? Skip on down to the 19th verse. All this goes together. Verse 19, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him. Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Did you hear that last phrase, hide a multitude of sins? Do you know that all the sins... That people have received forgiveness for through the blood of the Lamb. That those sins are gone forever. They're never coming up. In eternity to come, nobody's ever going to know how you messed up. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? And when you help get somebody, the word here says, converted. Now that word means turned around, turned back to God. The Bible uses the word reconciled. Reconciled. When you help or are involved in somebody getting back to God and getting right with God, then all their sins are forgiven and everything, all the junk in their life is hidden and gone forever. Hallelujah. And the person is saved from death. Now that's not just talking about physical death. Spiritual death. Separation from God which includes hell. Can you and I have a part in people getting to God. And getting back to God. Can our prayer life have a part in this. Is this an important part of prayer. Certainly. 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 In fact uh, the Amplified you know on this 16th verse says the earnest Heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Can there be tremendous power made available in people's lives who don't know God or they've gotten away from God? And can the power of God work on them and enlighten them, help them get converted and turned around? Can you and I become effective and powerful praying in these areas? Yes, we can. Jesus is the perfect example. Go back with me, please, to the book. I believe it's of Luke. It's recorded in more than one place. But go to the book of Luke, the 10th chapter. You excited about this this morning? I am too. Look out, lost loved ones and backslid friends. (laughs) We're about to get on your case big time. Is that right? And when us and God get on your case, you might as well just give it up and come on to church. Right? Luke chapter 10. How many have some relatives that, as far as you know, they're not saved? Let me see. Oh, look at these hands. Or some relatives that, uh far as you can tell, maybe they had been saved, but they're backslid. They ain't living for God. Yeah, look at that. Hands all over. Well, that's how it is. That's not how it has to be. In Luke 10, let's talk today about what we can do. In Luke, the 10th chapter. Luke chapter 10. Are you there? And verse 2. Jesus said, the harvest truly is great. How many can come in? Just a few? No, the harvest is great. Great. Somebody said, well, you know, the Bible talked about, you know, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many that go therein and uh, straight and narrow is the way, and few that go there. Yeah, but few compared to what? Few compared to the billions. But even a few of billions is a great harvest, Right? Many, many, many. How many believe that right now today, millions and millions and millions can and should come into the kingdom of God right now? Everybody could. But not everybody will receive. But how many believe that millions and millions and millions are just ripe? They're ripe. They heard the right word today. If it came the right way, they're just ripe to respond and receive. He said... The harvest truly is great. It's big. But the laborers are what? Few. Is this true? The laborers are what? Few. Well, I've heard people imply we had too many preachers already. Huh? That was kind of weak. Did you hear that? A lot of folk are like, yeah, I think so. I think we got too many preachers as it is. Well, preachers are not the only ones who are laborers. Right? But do we have too many preachers? No, we don't. Jesus said there are what? Few. We could use a lot more. Now, a lot of folks don't believe that. I know when I went to Bible school, I hadn't decided that I was going to be a preacher, and so I went to Bible school. That's not how it worked with me. I was going to be a fighter. (laughs) What are you all laughing about? (laughs) That was my aspiration. I wanted to be a full-contact martial arts champion. That's what I wanted to be, and I trained night and day for it. And God got a hold of me. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God. Because by now, by this age, you know, I'd have had a lot of broken bones and a lot of, you know. Even when you win, you get hurt. And uh, this is so much more fun. (laughs) I'm going to believe God has a better idea than you do about your life. That's why you don't tell your children, you can do anything you want to do when you grow up. Don't tell them that. Because it's not true. Did you hear me? You can be anything you decide to be. You can do anything you decide to do. No, that's not true. What you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to do has already been decided for you. Did you hear me? It's not for you to decide what you want to be and do. It's for you to discover what you're ordained to be. And do, and God has ordained that his people be in all walks of life. Doctors and lawyers and and mechanics and nurses and people in every area to represent him. Right? Find out what you're called to be ordained to be. And so all Phyllis and I got in our hearts that we were supposed to go to Bible school. I thought I'd go one year and then I'd go back home. And maybe resume my uh, fighting career. That's all I knew. But as the time went on, I began to see God had something else in mind. And it began to dawn on me. In fact, I came home after a few months. A gentleman, pastor at the First Baptist Church in town, asked me would I come speak for him. And I said, sure. Of course, I'm just like six months in Bible school, maybe. I'm green as can be. And prior to this, I was a fighter. I could kick you real hard, but I couldn't preach to you. (laughs) and uh, I'm driving around town that Saturday I'm supposed to speak at that church Sunday I'm driving around town and on the radio comes an advertisement for the first Baptist church come here Reverend Keith Moore at such and such Baptist church you know (laughs) 10 o'clock in the morning I about run off the road (laughs) I thought Reverend Keith Moore my lord I'm a preacher (laughs) Now, I know that may sound weird to you, but that's the truth. I just, it it hadn't dawned on me. (laughs) I went back to school after the vacation and all that. And the years I went to school, they had a stream of speakers come through the school and seminars that were just, I mean, outstanding. Well, I'll, I'll name off some of them to you. Kenneth and Gloria Copeland, Brother Lester Summerall. And, uh, of course, Brother Hagen was there speaking all the time. And, I mean, some of the most famous missionaries from Africa and India. As all these people spoke, it seemed like all of them were just absolutely anointed to the guilds and full of the word. And I'm comparing myself with them. And I'm thinking, man, it just, it ain't no comparison. I mean, and it just seemed to me like the whole world was full of preachers. <laughs> Of course, I'm in Bible school. I'm not really putting that together, but I mean, there's a concentration. It seems to me are well, just wonderful preachers everywhere. I mean, and what am I going to do? And I got to thinking, well, there's basically already many too many preachers. What am I thinking about? And the Lord brought this to me with force one day. The laborers are few. What you're thinking is not true. The laborers are few. We should have more, many, 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 many more. Jesus taught us to pray this way. We're talking about prayer. Pray what? Pray. Are you there in your scripture? Pray what? That He would what? Send laborers into the harvest. Now you see a whole lot of things here. Well, isn't it the Lord's harvest? Doesn't He know that we should have more laborers? Why don't He just send them? Why does He tell us to pray? You begin to get insight. Like one individual said years ago, he said, uh, it seems God is limited by our prayer life. That he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. Though people might not readily accept that, there are legalities involved and he taught us to ask. In fact, he says, you have not. Why? Because you didn't ask. Right? And he tells us we should have more laborers. So what? So I know what you need and I'll just send it. Don't worry about it. No. Ask. Ask. So this should be an ongoing thing. Lord, send laborers into that area. Lord, send laborers into China. Lord, send laborers into Afghanistan. Lord, we ask you, send more laborers into Iraq. Lord, send laborers into Iran. Lord, send laborers. Right? We ought to pray that God would send laborers, and we ought to volunteer that we are laborers. We ought to believe that God answers our prayers by sending laborers across the paths of our loved ones and friends and just strangers that we've met. Because not everybody's ready for you. Did you know that? You are just not everybody's cup of tea. And I am not everybody's cup of tea. I told it a while back we were at one of the Copeland's conferences and uh somebody right before had told me you know they love brother copeland but they really like to see me one guy said uh his wife really loved me and didn't want to watch any other preacher and then we didn't go around the corner good until this lady came and said oh i saw you on brother kenneth so my husband likes to watch you now she said i'm not much on you (laughs) but he likes you pretty good well thank god there's more than one vessel Right? Because some people, they'll hook up with certain individuals and in ministries, and others they don't. You know, if there are certain ministers that really minister to you, well, don't just set them on a pedestal and say, well, they're the best, they're better than everybody else. No, no, you're supposed to be hooked with them. So you're graced to hear and receive from them. That doesn't mean everybody else is substandard and inferior to them. Did you hear me? That's just where you're supposed to be hooked. And, of course, you're going to receive, if you're where you're supposed to be hooked, you're going to receive through those ministries unlike any other. And thank God for it. But there are labors, there are times that if you're dealing with somebody and you can tell they need to get back to God, they need to be converted, they need to get saved or they need to get back to God, but there will be times you can tell I am not the one. I'm not the laborer. That they'll receive from. And oftentimes this is the case with family members. Huh? No matter how much you know about it. A lot of times big sister just does not want to hear it from little sister. Right? Amen. Our little brother just does not want to hear it from big brother. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. And so you need to realize that and you need to back off. Did you hear that word? Yes. You need to quit preaching to him. Did you hear that now? You need to, you know, to be a little more bluntly, you need to shut up. (laughs) Why? Because you're pushing them away. They don't want to hear it from you. And so you need to be quiet. Boy, this is certainly true so many times with married people, with spouses. Hmm? A lot of times the wife just does not want to hear it from her husband. The husband just does not want to hear it from his wife. He may know it's true. She may know it's true, but they just don't want to hear it from them. They'd reject it just because it came through their mouth. <laughs> Even if they in their heart, they knew it was true. So have some wisdom in the Holy Ghost. And be led and know that there are times when you just need to smile and just love them, but you know you're not the one. And you just walk away and say, Lord, send a laborer across their path, somebody they will listen to. There's somebody that they'll, have we digressed or are we talking about prayer? Amen. To my prayer, there's somebody they'll listen to. Yeah. Now this is effective prayer instead of just saying, oh God, please save my sister, save my sister, please, and just praying that for 30 years. Oh please God, save my sister. He has already done everything that's necessary for your sister to be saved. Right? Jesus has borne her sins. He's carried the punishment. It's been done. He doesn't need to do something else to save the people. The people need to receive Him. They should be enlightened to their need of salvation. Right? The Bible said in 2 Corinthians 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. So here's how we'd pray. Now you're awake, right? You're listening? Here's how we would pray and how we do pray and how we will pray for people, relatives, friends, strangers, anybody who don't know the Lord. As far as we can tell, they don't know the Lord. We say, Lord, we ask you to enlighten the eyes of their heart and understanding. Blindness be removed from off of them so they can see. And Lord, we ask you, send laborers across their path. Somebody they'll listen to and receive from. Give them ears to hear in Jesus' name. And then you get in faith. What do you mean? You expect that to happen. You, no matter what they look, they might look like they start living twice as bad. But right after you pray that, do not be moved. Right? You just say, thank you, Lord, that you are enlightening the eyes of their heart and mind. I thank you that darkness is broken from them so they can see their need of salvation. They can see the truth of the gospel. And I thank you for sending just the right person or persons across there. It might be a book, might be a radio program, might be TV. It might be somebody on the job, but somebody is going to be just what they're looking for. And is their ears going to be attuned to hear them? And they will see their need of salvation. They'll be brought to the point of receiving Jesus. And they might say no. Did you hear me? Oh, no, no. They got a free will. The Lord's not going to make them receive him. What do you do if they say no? You do it again. I said, you do it again. You say, Lord, send other laborers across their path. Enlighten them. Bring it back to. And what? He'll bring them right back. He'll bring them to the point of illumination. He'll bring them to the point of decision again. And they'll see it. They'll know they're lost. They'll know Jesus paid the price. They'll know what to do. And they could very easily receive and be born again. But they might say no. They might reject him. What if they do? You do it again. As long as there's breath, there's hope. Right? And you keep on. And so many times. How many of you received Jesus the first time you heard him? Look at that. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. Me too. Aren't you glad he didn't give up on us? Yeah, amen. Brought us around to it again. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Glory to God. So this, do you see this side of prayer here? Praying for those who don't know the Lord, friends or foes or strangers or family, whatever. It works the same way. Lord, remove the blindness from off of their mind. Enlighten the eyes of their understanding. Send laborers. Did Jesus tell us to pray this way? Send laborers across their path. You know who they'll listen to. You know who they'll receive from. And now then you be ready to be the answer to somebody else's prayer. Right? Because there'll be numerous times somebody else is praying this kind of prayer. And you show up at the right time and the right place. And you are the man of the hour. You are the woman of the hour that they'll listen to. Right? And you be ready to love on them. Don't try to push anything down anybody's throat. But you're ready to love on them. You're not ashamed of Jesus. You let them see the light in you. Amen? And you're ready to lead them and to pray with them and to help them and follow up with them afterwards. Glory to God. Now look at something else that Jesus prayed that goes right along with this. Luke 22. That deals with people who don't know the Lord. Who've not been born again. How many know there's another big group. That need to get back to God. Luke 22. And 31. Now we're still studying the example of Jesus at prayer. Aren't we? Yes, sir. He said. Pray that the father would send laborers. Into the harvest. That's what we were talking about. So we're, how many are going to do that? And so we committed back weeks and weeks ago, Lord, whatever you say to us, how to pray and what to pray for, that's what we're going to do. How many are clear on this? He told us to pray for laborers. Right? So as a normal and a usual thing and just a lifestyle thing, you know, man, it's so wonderful that you can do this and really get results instead of just kind of doing some religious something to salve your conscience. Many times I'm traveling. Or I'm in and out of a situation and you see somebody and maybe you don't even meet them. Maybe you just see them from a distance, but your heart just goes out to them and you can tell they, you know, they, everything about them looks like they don't know God and they're just miserable, but you don't sense that you're supposed to try to talk to them or do something about it. You just walk on and go, Oh God, save them. No. No, be effective. Can you do something that can actually impact their life? Yes, you can. You can say, Lord, Send a labor across their path. Lord, blindness come off of their mind. Lord, enlighten the eyes of their understanding, we pray. Send a labor, and then every, you might not think about them again for a month or two, but the Lord might bring them back to your mind again. And you say, Lord, I thank you. I'm in faith about that. Thank you for bringing a labor across their path. And I believe by this, we'll see many, many people in heaven. And we only saw them one time. We just came across their path. But how many believe that that's not by accident? So many times, you know, Phyllis and I, the other day, something was going on. And we drove by a place just as somebody fell to the ground. And at first I thought maybe they tripped. And then I realized, no, that must have been a heart attack or something. I mean, they just dropped like a sack of potatoes. And there's people all around them just kind of gathered. Well, why are we there at that time? But if the Lord deals with you, do something, then you can come over there. But a lot of times if you're a stranger, people are saying, well, what are you doing here? You know, if the Lord leads you, you do step in. But if he doesn't, are you helpless or is there something you can do? Yes. Going down the highway, brother, you can make a difference. Yes. You can pray yes. in faith, get in faith. Yes. I mean, every time you meet an ambulance, every time something like that goes on, don't you say, oh, God, oh, God, wonder what happened. That does no good at all. I said that does no good at all. Pray in faith. Amen. Immediately you see an you see a car wreck, or you see people on the side of the road. Lord, have mercy on these people. I pray in Jesus' name. Let your hand come on these emergency technicians. Help them to do perfect work. Keep them back from making mistakes. Give them word of knowledge, anoint them. Help them to minister to these people. Lord, have mercy on these people. Give them more time if they don't know you to come to Jesus. Lord, strengthen them. Help them. Right. Give them an opportunity to send a labor across their path. When we pray and we're following the Lord, our lives are not hodgepodge. Things that seem like accident, they're not. We're being led. Our steps are being ordered. We're at the right place at the right time. Why? We know how to pray. We know how to believe God. So God maneuvers us into a position so we'll ask Him because He wanted to do it to begin with. Can you say amen? Now, here in Luke 22, are we still talking about prayer? Yeah. Luke 22, 31, here's this other big group that we referred to. The Lord said to Simon, this is Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, (laughs) let me give you a little heads up here. When the Lord calls your name twice like that... (laughs) You ought to go ahead and kneel and start repenting. <laughs> Let me give you another example. Martha, Martha. <laughs> what does that mean you, you ought to just go ahead and get out right now and begin to say, Oh, Lord, I've messed up. Have mercy on me. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you. Let's just stop right here. Why? Why Satan desired to have him? Well, now we know from having more scripture, Peter was a powerhouse. I mean, God used Peter to move whole cities, right? And lead the church big time in the beginning stages. Now, it didn't look like that the next few pages, but he did. Do you know a lot of times the enemy sees more than we do because he's a spirit being and he sees in the spirit and sometimes he can see light in us. He can see a call we don't see. We're despising it. We're not esteeming it, but he is a firm believer in the principle that it's a much easier to crush an acorn than it is an oak tree. Right, he starts on children, especially if he sees any indication of a call of God on somebody and anointing or grace. Man, he wants that. He wants their confidence destroyed. He wants their faith destroyed. Better, it's easier to do before you get started because the further you go and the more God does for you and the more victories you have, you get harder to deceive in these areas. But Jesus said. uh, Simon, Satan really wants to destroy you. Now that shouldn't scare us. It should make us sober minded to see that we don't open the door. But the devil cannot just come in and destroy at will. Did you hear that now? Elsewise he wouldn't be saying he's desiring it. He'd have just done it. Reminds you of Job, doesn't it? Like we said Friday night, you know, the devil hates righteous, godly people. Why? Because they influence other people in the earth for God. He hates it. If there's anything he might hate worse than a righteous man, it'd be a rich, righteous man. He hates, oh, he hates a rich, righteous man or woman. Why? Because money in and of itself is not evil. The love of it Is what the problem is. But the more money you have, it just gives you the ability to express yourself. Right? If you're a bad person, you can be bad big. If you got a bunch of money, I mean, you can do some bad stuff. Right? If you're a good person, you can express that. The more ability you have, the more power. How many understand, in this world, money is power. And you can express that. Well, here with the anointing, with the ability, the revelation, Satan has desired to have you, that he might sift you as wheat. That would not be a good result, would it? That means when this thing is over, you're going to be fine powder. I mean, it's nothing left of you. And it's sad we have seen situations like that. For when it was said and done, the dust cleared, people were just, there's not much left of them. But it doesn't have to be that way. And how many understand it wasn't that way with Peter? He did blow it. He messed up. But did he end up like Judas? Did he go out and kill himself? And never no, he didn't. He was what? The word here says converted. Converted. He was saved. He was restored. He was reconciled. Look at it. He said, Satan's desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed, prayed. Oh, thank God for the right kind of prayer. I have prayed for you. What? What did he pray? That your faith fail not. And when? Am I reading that right? And what? Not if. Jesus is a faith man. <laughs> He's talking about things that happen. Now. When you are converted, that's another way of saying, it, when you come back, when you get straightened out, when you get reconciled with God, strengthen your brethren. You're not only going to make it yourself, you're going to be able to help other people and strengthen them. And right after this, Peter failed. I'm, right after this glorious word, he failed terribly. He's standing out there cursing and saying, I don't know him. I told you, I don't know him. I don't know the man. He's over there crying and sobbing. He feels horrible. But Jesus said, I prayed for you. How many believe Jesus was in faith? Yeah, amen. <laughs> About his man he prayed for. Remember in John 17, we read last week, he said, of those you gave me, I have lost none of them except the son of perdition. my Judas Iscariot, but he said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lose any of the rest of them. I prayed for them. I'm going to believe you ought to be that way about your folks. Right? You ought to be that way about your people, the people in your family, your friends, people in your ministry, people in your church. If somebody gets off and they get messed up, you don't go, well, I guess that serves them out. You reap what you sow, you know? We are not in the condemnation business. We're in the conversion business. We're not in the judging business. We're in the reconciling business. Years ago, I was riding on an airliner, going somewhere. Happened to be that time I was riding. Usually Phyllis was with me, but I was by myself. And I sat down beside this guy. And uh, he was drink. Boy, he was knocking back the liquor. I mean, he was. And he looked like he had been hitting it hard before he got there. He was red-faced. His eyes were bloodshot. And he was talking some stuff, man. He was using all kind of language. He was. Flirting and actually bothering the flight attendants and all this kind of stuff. And he leaned over, looked at me and breathed in my face real heavy. And he said, Hey man, what do you do? (laughs) And I told him and it changed the complexion of the, of the situation. He stopped. He kind of sat there looking at his drink he said is that right I said yeah he said you know my mama raised me better than this he said I know I ain't supposed to be talking like this and act like this and drinking and stuff like you know and he's waiting on me to jump on the condemnation wagon are you with me now he's waiting on me to go yeah you know better than this sorry rascal Such language. Such carrying on. What's wrong with you? God's going to get you. See, that's what people expect out of preachers and out of Christians. And so, all too often, that's what they get. Condemnation. Judging. That's not our ministry. That's not our call. What's our business? Reconciliation. What's the big problem? Is the big problem this man's vocabulary? Is that the biggest thing? How many is that? there's nobody in hell for cussing? Hmm. No. Ain't nobody in hell just because of cussing? Is the biggest problem him womanizing? Sleeping with everybody he can find? There's nobody in hell... Just because of adultery or fornication or homosexuality or lesbianism or being a pedophile or anything like that. There's nobody in hell just because of that. Did you hear me? No. There's nobody in hell because of being a murderer or a liar or a thief. The Lord has already paid for all of these sins, hasn't he? The Lord has, uh, that's why he hung on the cross. That's why He paid such an awful price. He was paying for adultery. He was paying for all of this. He was paying for murder. He was paying for lying. He was paying for all of that. So anybody in hell, they're not there because of that sin. They're there because they wouldn't receive Jesus. They're there because they wouldn't receive what's already been bought and paid for. So the sin is not the issue. Jesus has taken care of the sin problem. We ought not just be preaching against sin. We ought not be judging folk about sin. It's not the issue. Sinners sin. That's what they do. Right? That's why they're sinners. If they didn't sin, they wouldn't be a sinner. (laughs) There's a friend of mine from Europe. He did this in his church one day and I thought it was real humorous. He put some plants in the church. He got some folk off the street. He got some gals with bright orange hair. And mini skirts and too tight of clothes. He got some guys uh, that were smoking and cussing and and doing a bunch of stuff. He put them in the, uh, just caught them off the street and put them in the bathrooms. and, And they came in and sat down by the people. And he got up and took his pulpit. And he said, what we need in this church is more short skirts and cussing. We need more smoke in the bathrooms. And more drinking in the parking lot. People looked at him like, what has happened to our pastor? And they're kind of sliding down the pew from some of these folks. And he went on to explain. What do you mean, pastor? Sinners. We need sinners. Yeah. Right? Sinners. What are sinners going to do? They're going to cuss and smoke in your bathroom. They're going to smoke dope in your bathroom. Right? They're going to get high. They're they're not going to look exactly like you think. Maybe they should look. But what? People, God came for the lost. Jesus died for the ungodly. And they qualify. Right? This fellow that I'm sitting beside is his drunkenness His foul language. His womanizing. Is that really the biggest issues with him? No. No. What's his problem? Doesn't know God. Right? It's about relationship. He does not know God. So me talking about drunkenness. Me talking about adultery. Is missing the mark. Right? Do you see how many people do it though? They just miss the mark. Christians. They ride their loved ones. About their lifestyle. And it's not the issue. You get people to God. They get to loving God. They get to growing up in God. This stuff will just begin to fall off. And just begin to fall to the side. Let God deal with them. As they're able to handle it. And they'll grow. And I, he's waiting on me to jump on the condemnation bandwagon. He said, yeah, I know. Mama raised me better than this. And he got quiet. He just kind of sat there with his head down. I said, brother, that's not really the issue. None of that. I said, let me tell you what's the most important thing to me. Most important thing to me is that I know God. He is real to me. Just like my parents or my wife. He's real to me all day long. I know him. I don't see him, but I know him. And I begin to talk about how real God could be to you. How he helps you. And I mean, it wasn't just a few minutes. He teared up. He said... I want to know him like that. See, everybody does. Everybody that's away from God, their heart's crying out. I said, it's easy. It's easy. Jesus has already paid the price for all your mistakes and failures. All you got to do is just say, Lord, I receive you. Save me. I believe in you. Help me. Right? We're in the ministry of reconciliation. Go to 2 Corinthians. Let me read this. I think I'm closing. 2 Corinthians. Do you like this? Yes. Oh, I do. Is this important? Yes. So important. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. So many people avoid preachers, they avoid church, they avoid Christians because they figure all they're going to get is condemnation and judgment. And the thing is, they already feel bad about it. Most of the time, they don't need to tell somebody that they're messed up. They know they're messed up. They don't need that pointed out. They need answers. How do I get to God? How do I get this straightened out? We should be able to help them. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. If any man be in Christ... He's a new creature, new creation. All things are passed away. We just got through reading that he that converts a sinner from his error hides a multitude of sins. It's all gone. Didn't the Lord say their sins, their iniquities, I will not mention to them. And I'll not remember them. Right? Is that true? It's all gone. It's all passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things are of God, who has what reconciled us to Himself. See, we were at enmity with Him; we were out with Him, but through Christ we've been reconciled, made at one, restored to harmony and peace with God. He's reconciled Himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us what. What do we have? Is every Christian called to this ministry? You say, well, I don't know that I have a ministry. You've got one right here. Every believer is supposed to be in this ministry. Amen. The ministry of reconciliation. Amen. We've talked about this before. You just show people that you care. Be a friend to people. Don't try to preach. Don't try to push scriptures off on them. Just be a friend. Show them you care. Be a, help them. Love on them. Get in your pocket. Buy them some new clothes. Make a payment for them. Do what the Lord, you understand what I'm saying? Love on them. And be a friend. Because so many times people, the friends they have are not real friends. They're fair weather friends. I mean, they're there as long as you've got money. As long as you'll help me party. And when the drugs are gone, they're gone. The money's gone, they're gone. They don't have real friends. But when they find somebody that'll love them, not because of what they can do for them, but just love you because I love you. And ask nothing in return. Nobody's got too many of those kind of friends. Amen. Right? And after a while, they'll begin to know, why are you the way you are? Why is your home and your marriage, and you can introduce them to your best friend, yeah. Amen. right, Amen. who is the reason why you are the way you are. That they could be reconciled. He's given to us the ministry. Ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We got the ministry of reconciliation and we've got the word, the message of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. We're his representatives. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for He made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. What would Jesus say to him, sitting on that uh, that airliner, and that man sitting there, you know, drunk and cussing? If Jesus was sitting in that chair, what would He have said to him? What did Jesus say to the woman at the well? Here's a woman whose life is a mess. She has been married and divorced and 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 and living with somebody now. She's not respected, but she's at the well at the wrong time of the day, probably. Why? Because of embarrassment and other women don't fellowship with her. Jesus didn't talk to her about that. What did he talk to her about? Living water. Water (laughs) Living water. What is that? Being born again and drinking the water of life. Right? Is that reconciliation? Getting to God. Getting to know him. Getting fellowship with him. That's our ministry. That's our message. Right? Now I know maybe I'm sounding redundant. But listen friend. Stop preaching condemnation. Stop judging. Stop harping on people about their sin. Stop. Some say, well, it's sin. Yeah, it is. Haven't you ever sinned? See, people. Well, I've never done that. Is it so different in God's eyes? If you've failed, if you've missed it, you've sinned. You ever heard people say, how could they do that? How could they do that? Well, how did you? Acting like you've never sinned. You know exactly how they did it. You've done it many, many times. Right? Don't be a hypocrite. Sure you know. No. Somebody said, well, I'm not blind. I see it. Well, sure you do. But you're not supposed to call everything you see. You're not supposed to talk everything you know. When you really walk in love, people will think you're naive. I've had people ask me before, they say, Brother Keith, didn't you see that? The guy that was talking to me, didn't you see that? I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> they said, well, he was doing this and he was doing that. I said, really? <laughs> sure, I saw it. What does it matter? People think they have the gift of discernment. <laughs> because they can discern faults in people's lives. I perceive that sin. <laughs> I also read about something called fault finding. And that doesn't seem to be a spiritual gift. And it's amazing that these people would turn those powerful sin discernments on their self once in a while. They'd get a whole revelation, wouldn't they? (laughs) Love covers multitude of sin love could just look past all the junk I mean it's glaring it's all right here but it looks past all that and it'll just push you to side and say boy I see a jewel in there I see a diamond in the rough I see somebody how many understand the meanest roughest person that you could talk about get them to Jesus get them saved get them full of the Holy Ghost full of the love of God full of the word of God be one of the best friends you ever had. Be one of the most wonderful people you've ever been around. Right? Just take yourself for example. <laughs> Note the difference in your life. Right? Some of you we would not have liked to have been around before. Right? But look at you now. You're so wonderful and good looking. <laughs> Stand on your feet please. Oh Hallelujah. Lord, you're so good. You are so good. You are so good. What a wonderful Father you are. I think we should act on these verses right now. We're going to act on it in a couple of ways. If there's people in your family, maybe people you went to high school with, people you went to college with, people you used to work with, whatever but they've been on your mind they've been on your heart and you haven't prayed effectively this way brothers, sisters, moms, dads children, grandchildren, whoever to come up in your heart pray for them specifically right now just close your eyes let's pray it out loud Father God we lift these people up before you in this prayer today family friends acquaintances strangers and we ask you enlighten them to their need of salvation enlighten them the eyes of their heart and understanding to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ Satan we command you take your hands off of them Blindness, blindness, darkness, darkness, confusion, confusion, be removed removed from them them. in Jesus' name. name. Lord, we ask you, send laborers laborers across their path. path, People that they will hear, hear. People they'll listen to. People they'll receive from. And give them ears to hear it and a heart to receive it in Jesus name we ask and we make ourselves available to be the laborer that others have prayed for use us as you choose as it pleases you make us effective laborers in your harvest glory to God glory to God You believe he heard that? That's important that we we get in faith and we stay in faith, right? That means we're expecting this to happen. Every time you think about that person, you're expecting that to happen. Now here's something else. This uh, second group we were talking about, people that have known the Lord, but they're people that got away from him. There is a passage in 2 Timothy. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to just read it directly out of the Bible, and then we're going to pray it. 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2 and 23 says, Foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing they gender strifes. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle to all men, apt to teach, and patient. Is he talking about you? Yes. Or are you a striver? Strife person that gets in no no you are gentle right able to teach and patient in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will so many people that have known God but they're backslidden you know people if acquaintances, friends, family of yours they're not living right they know what's right but they're not living right we can ask this for them repentance it's a gift the gift of repentance why? that they could recover themselves they can get their self out if they just receive him and respond to him say it out loud Father God, Father God we, pray we pray for family and friends, family and friends. acquaintances co-workers who have known you you. they have been born again again. but they've gotten away from you you. they're not living right right. we ask for them for repentance repentance. grant them them repentance repentance. that they may acknowledge the truth truth. that they they may recover themselves out of the traps snares of the devil. We ask for it in Jesus' name. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.